0: Back. On, back.
1: It's one o'clock, I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines, the government talks up Kau Chow as a good place to start its planned 1700 hectare reclamation. Experts seek to allay fears about the Hong kong zhuhai macau Bridge just days ahead of its official opening, and a former top police officer is sent to prison for accepting bribes. The Development Secretary, Michael Wong, says Kao Yi Chao, a small uninhabited island near Chau, is a great choice to start the first phase of reclamation for the Lantau Tomorrow Vision project. It's an ambitious plan to reclaim 1,700 hectares for housing. Mr Wong said it was only 10 kilometres from central. Defending the plan, he said if the government built on brownfield or agricultural sites in the new territories, it still wouldn't be enough land for housing. Mr Wong said the government would seek funding for the Lantau reclamation in a few months' time.
2: When we go to Logical for funding, for the planning and engineering study, which will mainly focus on the 1,000 hectare reclamation of the Kao Yisho project. So, so that will happen, I think, in a few months' time. And, and before then, uh, we have enough time to communicate, to explain and to listen as well.
1: The Environment Secretary, Wong Kam Singh, has played down concerns over the Lantau project, which some have said would be vulnerable to extreme weather and rising water levels resulting from climate change
0: we have a working group to look after the uh, infrastructures, how to follow the latest uh, global standards and the local situations to set the uh, latest up-to-date uh, standards for all infrastructure, including recommendations. So uh, under these mechanisms, for whatever uh, major uh, infrastructure development, no matter is it's uh, near the sea uh, or on land, they would have to follow the latest climate uh, adaptation uh, standards.
1: The chief designer of the Hong Kong Zhuhai Macau Bridge, Meng Fang Chao, says he's confident the megabridge will be able to withstand storms that are double the wind speed of Typhoon Mankut, the storm which wreaked havoc in Hong Kong last month. The bridge, which claims to be the world's longest sea crossing, is to open next Tuesday, but concerns have been raised about its safety. Mainland media have reported that the main part of the bridge and its undersea tunnel remained intact after the storm, but the artificial island suffered from issues including water seepage. Speaking in an exclusive interview with RTHK, Mr Meng said his design factored in uncertainties like typhoons, tides and global warming. He said the bridge can cope with typhoons moving at more than 100 metres a second. That's 360 kilometres an hour. The records show that the typhoons Mangut and Hato were moving at half that speed when they passed the bridge. A transport expert says he doesn't think the opening of the bridge to Makai and Zhuhai will cause traffic congestion in Chung. An opening ceremony for the bridge will be held on Tuesday in Zhuhai and it's expected to be attended by President Xi Jinping. Concerns have been raised over congestion as a road linking the bridge to a port area off Chek Labcock is delayed by a year. But Hung Wing Tat, a fellow of the Hong Kong Society of Transportation Studies, says the backup road has plenty of capacity.
2: Did you still have capacity to accommodate more traffic? At the moment, I don't think there would be a lot of traffic passing through the, uh, Hong kong zhuhai Macau bridge. Mainly it would be the freight transport, but the freight transport is dropping at the moment, especially at the moment the, uh, American and the U.S. has a, a trade war. So I don't think in the coming year, if you're talking about before the second links going into operation, I do not worry about The additional traffic would really cause serious congestion on the existing Hong Kong airport link.
1: Lawmaker Felix Chung says despite opposition from businesses, the government should have enough votes to pass its plan to scrap the MPF offset mechanism. It would mean workers' retirement funds would no longer be used to offset severance or long service pay. In her policy address last week, the chief executive, Carrie Lam, doubled the subsidies for businesses, offering them more than $29 billion over a 25-year transition period. Unionists said this was too generous, while Mr Chung, the leader of the pro-business Liberal Party, says it's still not enough to help businesses cover their income increased costs.
2: If you count the number of votes, she's probably have enough votes on hand because most of our colleagues they want to support the government because a lot of them is from geographical elections and the mass voter are employee. So I mean they have to please the employee and that's why they will support this proposal. But on the other hand, if the government want to have a harmonized society and right now the business sector is not happy with what the is. why can she not sit down and talk again and just force the business actor to accept this final proposal?
1: A police superintendent who oversaw anti triad operations on Hong Kong Island has been sentenced to two and four, two years and four months in prison for accepting bribes in return for tip offs about upcoming raids. Timmy Sung reports.
2: Passing sentence, a deputy district court judge said 54-year Ng Hon abused his position as a senior policeman and disclosed confidential information to the club's as operators, such as money laundering investigations, undercover operations and raids. He said Mr Ng forgot he was a law enforcement officer because of the money, which amounted to $570,000 in bribes. Mr Ng and the owner of the two nightclubs, Lun Kei cheng earlier pleaded guilty to a joint charge of conspiracy for a public servant to accept an advantage. Ms Lun was sentenced to one year and eight months in prison. Tse Hoi-gin, the operator of the two clubs, admitted an alternative charge of aiding and abetting another person to offer an advantage to a public servant. He was jailed for a year.
1: The Washington Post has published the last column it received from the Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi before he went missing in Istanbul. The newspaper's editor said they'd held off publishing it till now in the hope that the journalist would reemerge. The BBC's Chris Buckler reports from Washington.
2: In his final piece, Mr Khashoggi is critical of Saudi Arabia. The Post says the column shows his passion for freedom, something the paper suggests he may have given his life for. Since his disappearance, Donald Trump has refused to distance himself from Saudi Arabia and instead emphasised the importance of economic and political ties between the country and the US. However, pressure on the president is growing, amid claims that there's evidence that shows Jamal Khashoggi was interrogated, tortured and killed.
1: The Trump administration is to withdraw from an international treaty that allows small packages to be sent to the United States cheaply in a bid to put more pressure on China over what it deems unfair trade practices. Here's the BBC's Chris Buckler.
2: The UN's Universal Postal Union sets the rates that mail delivery services in different countries charge each other for handling foreign mail, and lower prices are generally set for poorer nations. But the United States says since the rise in online shopping... China has been taking advantage of the treaty. Some American businesses claim it can now cost more to ship a small package within the US than it does to send it from Shanghai. The White House says the treaty is straining the finances of the US Postal Service and in some cases facilitating the shipment of counterfeit goods.
1: The head of the World Trade Organization, Robert Azevedo, has warned that escalating trade wars pose real risks to the global economy. Without mentioning the U.S. and China, he said political steps needed to be taken to solve the crisis in global trade. A complete breakdown in international trade cooperation would see a sharp rise in tariffs, knocking up to 70% of global
2: trade growth and 1.9% of global GDP growth. Now, these effects would cause significant disruption for workers, firms, and communities. Potentially, millions of workers would need to find new
0: jobs.
1: The first group of a wave of Honduran migrants traveling towards the United States has arrived at the border between Guatemala and Mexico. President Trump threatened to cut off millions of aid to the region if they failed to stop the caravan. Here's the BBC's Leonardo Rocha.
2: Some 3,000 people, including children, have joined the caravan. The organizers say the migrants are escaping poverty and violence in Central America. President Trump says they are illegal immigrants who cannot be allowed to enter the U.S. They left Honduras this weekend and several hundred have now reached the Guatemalan border town of Tecunumán. If they are allowed to cross into Mexico, it will be a matter of time before they reach the U.S. southern border and seek a right to entry on humanitarian grounds.
1: European Union leaders in Brussels have decided that despite intensive talks with Britain, there's not been enough progress on Brexit to warrant calling a special summit next month to seal the deal. But they said they were ready to call one if talks go well. The BBC's Kevin Connolly reports from the Belgian capital.
2: Theresa May faced a difficult job of persuasion as she addressed her fellow EU leaders before the summit dinner. One insider, though, said the mood around the table was good and described the Prime Minister as a formidable politician. The EU had been asking for new proposals from the UK, but as she arrived, Mrs May suggested that progress on vexed issues, like future arrangements on the Irish border, required collaborative progress rather than British concessions. The two sides are united in a determination to avoid a situation in which the UK leaves the EU without agreement, a prospect that threatens political, economic and legal chaos. Twitter has
1: publicly released all 10 million tweets it believes are linked to Russian and Iranian state-backed accounts that were trying to influence political opinion abroad, some date back to 20, 2009, far earlier than the investigation into Russia's attempt to influence American voters in the 2016 presidential election. The BBC's Rory catlin John reports.
2: Earlier this year, Twitter shut down thousands of accounts said to be linked to Russia's Internet Research Agency, the body accused of trying to sow discord and intervene on behalf of Donald Trump during the US 2016 election campaign. Now it's released details of nine million Russian tweets along with a million from a separate Iranian propaganda campaign. Many of the Russian Twitter accounts posed as angry Americans, opining on all sorts of divisive issues from both sides.
1: The World Health Organisation wants the UN Security Council to approve additional resources for the international peacekeeping mission in the Democratic Republic of Congo where health workers are tackling an outbreak of the Ebola virus. 139 people have died in the current outbreak. The WHO says it's decided not to declare the outbreak a public health emergency of international concern. Here's Robert Steffen who chairs the WHO's Emergency Committee that may have implications on travel and trade
2: and that actually might hinder the efforts of the response teams and that might have a negative implication to the whole action to control the outbreak.
1: Uh, Finance now. Currencies. The U.S. dollar is trading at 112.53 yen. The euro is 1 U.S. dollar 14 cents. The pound is worth what 10 Hong Kong dollars and 26 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng index was at 25,419. That's 40 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at 46 billion dollars. Now with the sports, here's Adam Chung.
0: We start with football. The former Arsenal forward Thierry Henry has given his first press conference as coach of Monaco, the club where he made his debut as a player. It's a first coaching job for Henry, who signed a contract through to June of 2021. He takes over a club that's two places off the bottom of the French League table. It goes without saying.
2: that for me, when the offer came, it was quite logical. My heart talked. You know the you know, uh, obviously the connection I have with one club in London, but this is where I started this club always, and will always have a, a big place in my heart that goes without saying. Um, so to be able to come here and, and start here again, you know it's a dream come true. I, I, won't, I won't lie.
0: a lot of work to do, as you can imagine, um, but I'm more than happy to be here. Meanwhile, the former Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger says he's received offers from all over the world and is looking to get back into management in January. He went on to tell German media he could work for a national team or in Japan where he managed Nagoya Grampus 8 before joining the Gunners. Former Arsenal midfielder Alexander Lapp says Wenger will be successful wherever he goes. I think uh, it's possible for him to train every team. His vision in football, this is uh, you know uh,
1: nice, uh, a lot of pass uh, not counter attack. No, you know beautiful game like uh, in Arsenal. Uh, that's why you know for him, of course, better train top team.
0: The American businessman Shahid Khan, who owns the English Premier League club Fulham and the NFL's Jacksonville Jaguars, has withdrawn his offer to buy Wembley Stadium from the English Football Association. Khan was offering around 790 million US dollars for the national stadium. More from the BBC's Richard Conway. Shahid Khan made his huge offer for Wembley in May. The FA
1: board backed the deal, believing the cash would help revolutionise grassroots facilities. The deal required the support of the FA Council, which draws its members from across English football. But with many councillors sceptical about the long-term benefits and some believing the home
0: of English football should never be sold, Mr Khan has withdrawn his offer, although he says he may revisit the bid in future. England's cricketers beat Sri Lanka by seven wickets in a rain-hit third one-day international. They take a 2-0 series lead with two games left. Sri Lanka made 150 for nine off 21 overs. Adil Rashid took four wickets. In reply, England reached 153 for three in the 19th over with Owen Morgan unbeaten on 48. And as you look at sports. And to end the news, the top
1: stories once again. The government talks up Kau Chow as a good place to start its planned 1,700 hectare reclamation. And experts seek to allay fears about the Hong kong juhai Macau Bridge just days ahead of its official opening. The news from RTHK.
2: Yeah, yeah.